0: Well, I don't know about you guys, but it is crazy to think that this is the last reckless of the school year. So, I don't know, you guys, does that feel weird to you? Does it feel like this year's flown by? How many of you guys feel that way? Yeah, I can't see you even if you were raising your hand, so I guess it doesn't really matter. For me, it, I, it feels like this year has, has flown by. And, um, and I got to say, from, from my standpoint, it has been an incredible year. Um, if you guys remember back in, uh, in August, we, we talked about wanting to be part of a movement and we've watched over this year, story after story after story of you guys that God is transforming, that God is making, uh, you guys like him. And, um, and not only have we seen, you know, the room packed out a lot of weeks and higher attendance than we've seen before, but it's, um, We've watched as God has, has stirred up a movement in many of our hearts and lives, and it's been incredible to watch. And so maybe you guys look back, I don't know if if you look at this year and it's been amazing, um, maybe spiritually, or maybe you just look at just this year as a whole in, in every part, not just reckless, and thought, man, this has been a really great year. I've I've enjoyed the school year, I've enjoyed, you know, just the different things that happened. Maybe some of you guys look and and this has been a really tough year for you, whether school wise or just difficult circumstances that you faced. And, um, and I think it'd be a good thing for all of us. You know, I know you seniors are probably doing that. Not only are you looking back over the last year, but probably your whole high school year and you know, getting all emotional and things like that. But really, really good for us just to kind of look back and whether we feel like it's been a really great year or it's been a tough year, just to know and understand that God is always at work. And what God wants to do is to stir up a movement in our heart and in our lives. That, uh, that video that we just watched asked the question, will we follow after the calling that God has placed on our lives? Will we follow after that calling that God has placed on us? If you guys were here last week, the seniors did a great job at senior night, and, uh, and Christian and Ashley specifically challenged us that God's will, God's plan is always better than our own. But what exactly is that calling that God has placed on us? What is that plan? What is God's will? What is it exactly that Jesus wants? What is it that God is after? You guys uh, th- that have been here for, for part of this year, you guys have heard me talk about my kids' obsession with Disney World, right? And how insane they are about it and, you know, they, that's all they think about and they watch Disney Channel and they dream about going to Disney World and Hugging on Mickey and, you know, all those kind of things. And they are obsessed to the point that it's all they think about. And so a few weeks ago, we, um, we were able to get some tickets. And so we sat the kids down and surprised them by telling them that we were going to take a trip to Disney World. And, um, and we videoed this because we knew that it was going to be insane. All right? And so understand going into this, my kids are obsessed. All right? Insanely obsessed. And they did not disappoint this video. So I want you guys to check this out. This is this is my kids' reaction to us telling them we're going to Disney World. Watch this. There's green. Whoa. What eating this? There's blue. I got a lot. I do not recognize anything. So one of you get? I got pink. Carson, what color did you get? Pink. Pink. What did you get, Jed? Green. Green, and you pink. got blue. Cool. You do you
1: guys them? know what those are? No. The
0: Mickey Mouse things The Disney World, you scan the thing with blah, blah. Was that what you use using for? Yeah. So you can go and ride the stuff. You cool. scan them and you can go back through. So cool. why would you have one? Why, why do you three have some? Because we're going to Disney World? Because we're going to Disney World! <laughs> <laughs> Next Friday, Seriously? all five of us are going to be at Disney World, yeah. going crazy, Magic Kingdom, riding rides, hanging out. <laughs> Yes! 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 are okay, baby. <laughs> no, you're you're I Yes! we are serious. No, you Are not. I Yes! Yes! all right i told you i told you they're obsessed so they did not disappoint and um i got screaming kids and crying kids and all that kind of stuff so so we went all right and um and we spent the day at disney and um and it was insane it was it was amazing and it's, it's hard to believe that, you know, as high as our kids' expectations were about Disney World, that it could meet that, but it did. And my kids had a fantastic time. It was an incredible week or incredible day. And, um, and it was crazy as I, as I was looking at, you're kind of looking back on that. And even as that day as we're walking around the park, it was very clear to me what Disney wanted. All right, there was no doubt, there was no confusion about what Disney was after. All right? For my kids, what Disney wanted was my kids' happiness. All right, they wanted, they wanted my kids to be as obscene about Disney, even more so after that experience than they were before. They wanted my kids to have the experience of their dreams. They wanted them to you know, breathe and eat and sleep Mickey Mouse and Disney World. So that was what... Disney wanted for my kids. But they also there was something very specific and very clear that they wanted from me and my wife as well. And that was our flipping money. <laughs> and so, you know, as as they're, you know, trying to make sure that that um, my kids are happy, they're also trying to suck me dry of every dollar I've got in my wallet. And it's it's brilliant because, you know, they they know that if they can get mom and dad to focus fully on making their kids happy and making that the focus, then, you know, I'll pull out my wallet all day long just to drop dollar after dollar just to see that smile stay on their face. At least that's what they thought. But that's what they're after. And I'll give you a perfect example. And I heard um, Tom Keating, uh, their family went to this, and we were talking about this, and they had the same experience. But if you guys have ever been to Disney World and you come through the majority of the rides after you've you know, gone insane through the ride or whatever. You walk into what? A gift shop. And everything that, you know, toys and gifts and, you know, all these kind of things are sitting there in that gift shop. And so my kids who just got off the ride and now all of a sudden that ride that they rode, that, that's now their favorite character. They stroll up into this gift shop coming off the ride and there's everything about that particular character that now they've fallen in love with. And so it's brilliant from Disney because they can accomplish two things. They want my kids' happiness, but they also want every dollar that I've got. Now, as clear as it is for what Disney wanted from us, I think sometimes we feel the opposite about what God wants from us. And I don't know if you, if you feel this way or not, but I think we ask the questions like, God, what, Jesus, what do you want? What is it that you're after? What is it that you want from me? Do you want me to go to church? Do you want me to be a good person? Do you want me to be happy? Do you want me to be wealthy? Are you looking to, to make sure that I'm blessed? Like, wh- What is it that you want? What is it that you're after? And because we get confused by that question we sometimes fill in the blanks ourselves and we determine what it is that Jesus wants from us. Or we determine what we're willing to give to him and then that's the basis for which we live our lives or what we focus on. And the danger in that is that sometimes we feel good about what we're doing when that may not be what Jesus is actually asking of us. Now to answer that question, what? What does Jesus want? We're going to look at Luke chapter 9. If you have your Bibles, you can, you can open up to Luke chapter 9. And this is a, a pretty famous passage here. M- many of you guys may be familiar with this. But Jesus is, at that moment, attracting a crowd. There's a lot of people that are impressed with him. And they're following him, and they're seeing these miracles, and they're seeing these things that, that Jesus is doing. And, and they're drawn to this, and they're, they're following after him, and they're trying to determine what it is that Jesus wants. And so Jesus doesn't beat around the bush. He, does, he makes it very clear to them what it is that he's looking for. And here's what he says in verse 23. Then Jesus said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but are yourself lost or destroyed? Now, there's so many different things that Jesus says in these couple verses, but he starts off by saying, if you want to be my follower. Now, again, there are people that are following him. They're attracted to Jesus. They're they're interested. They, They have a desire to figure out what it is that Jesus wants. And what Jesus is saying is that a desire to follow him is the beginning, but that's not all that there is. That's not enough. Just because we have the desire to follow Jesus isn't all that Jesus is asking. What he says here is that the desire to be his follower is going to lead to action. And what that action is, is it's going to cause us to turn from our selfish ways. In other words, it's going to cause us to give up our desires for our own happiness, for blessings, for rewards, for things that we look to Jesus as a means to get the things that we want. To say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you if you'll do X, Y, Z. And fill in the blank, whatever those selfish reasons look like, we put those things up there. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 if, if you want to follow me. If you have that desire, the first thing you've got to give up is you've got to give up your selfish desires. If you truly want to follow me, it can't be about you. Not to say that you're not going to experience happiness or experience blessings or things like that, but that can't be the primary focus. That can't be the reason why you're following me. You've got to give that up. And then we've got to take up our cross daily and follow him. Now, to take up your cross daily means that we have to be willing to do anything that Jesus asks and go anywhere that Jesus wants. Now, you think about the people that were hearing that, all right? The cross in that culture, that was, where, that, that was a means of death, all right? And, and people probably sat around going, Jesus, what are you talking about? The, the cross is a symbol of a criminal, all right? There are criminals that are sent to a cross, they're the ones that are punished for their crimes. Are you telling us that you want us to be criminals? Are you telling us that you want us to, to break the law? Like, God, Jesus, what are, you, what are you saying here? And what Jesus was foreshadowing was his own obedience to what the Father wanted, to a life of surrender. For Jesus to take up his cross and give up his life. And what he wants us to do is to be willing to do anything and everything that he asks of us, even if it means going to a cross. So when you answer that question, what is it that Jesus wants? Jesus wants from us one thing. Everything. What Jesus wants from you and me, if we're going to follow him, is he wants it all. He wants every single part of our life, every desire, every plan, every ounce of who we are. Not the leftovers, not bits and pieces, not the things that we're willing to give up. Jesus is saying, look, if you want to follow me, It's going to cost you everything. And how difficult is this? Maybe you're walking in the room the first time, you have no idea what it looks like to to know Jesus or what church is about or whatever, and you're hearing this for the first time. Even if you're not hearing this for the first time, this is an incredibly difficult thing to understand or to, to agree to. The people that heard Jesus say it must have thought he was crazy. So we hear this now and we think, wait a minute. You want me to give up my desires and my plans. Look, I'm a, I'm a senior in the room. I'm getting ready to graduate high school. I've got all these plans. I've got all these things that I want to accomplish with my life. And it's a really great plan. Like, my, my parents are on board with that. I've gotten into the college that I want to get into. Like, this is a really great plan. And what you're telling me is that if I want to follow Jesus... I've got to be willing to give up that plan, that great plan that I've got. I've got to be willing to give up everything, that Jesus really wants everything for me. But as difficult as a message as it is to understand or even to agree to, it's also very clear. It may be hard to stomach, but it's not hard to understand. There is no gray area with what Jesus is asking of us. See, understand, Jesus never called anyone to a life less than full surrender. Ever. When you look at all the instances, all the conversations, all the people that say, Hey, Jesus, I'll follow you, but. And he said, you know, whatever excuse, whatever reason, like Jesus never left it gray. He never left it unclear. He said, you've got to be willing to give it all away. If you want to follow me, it's going to cost everything. You've got to be willing to fully surrender. I mean, think about all those cases. He he asked the rich young ruler to sell all his possessions and give away his money and then come follow him. He asked the disciples to leave their jobs and to follow him, their means of income. He told the adulterous woman to leave her sin behind, her life, what she was known for, to leave that behind. He told others to leave their families, others to leave their plans, even their excuses of why they can't behind and simply follow him. And here's the thing. Some people did what Jesus wanted, what Jesus asked of them, and some people walked away and chose not to. Some started walking in full surrender, and and some walked away disappointed. And for those people that walked away disappointed and said, man, this is too difficult for me. There's no way I'm going to do this, Jesus. I'll, I'll just kind of hang on to my life. Thank you very much. It never changed Jesus' love for them. It never changed his plan or his purpose for their life or his desire to offer them a rich and satisfying life. Like none of that stuff changed. Jesus still looked at them. He loved for them, loved them. He died for them. None of that ever changed. But it also didn't change what he asked of them. He never ran after them and said, "All right, wait, wait, wait. All right, if you don't want to give up everything, then just give me this, this, and this. How about that? And can we compromise here?" Like are you willing to give up are you willing to meet me halfway or willing to to give up part of your life? Like Jesus never chased those people down as much as he loved them and cared about them. They still had a decision to make, but he never gave them a way out. He never softened his stance, he never lessened the call of full surrender. Because only when we fully surrender to Jesus and give him everything can we experience the full and satisfying life that Jesus offers. Jesus can't ask us for less than everything because he knows that less than everything doesn't lead to a full life. And if anything, Jesus would be selling us short if he allowed us to follow him half-heartedly if he allowed, it us, allowed us just to kind of go through the motions or just to play it safe or just do the, the, give him the parts of our lives that were easy. Like Jesus would actually be, be doing us a disservice because it wouldn't lead to a rich and satisfying life. And he knew that only when we're willing to fully surrender our lives to him do we really experience that full life that he, that he offers. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus says this. He says, A thief comes to steal and kill and destroy but i came to give life life in all of its fullness now when you and i think we read that passage and we we hear the word thief and we think of a thief as someone a bad person who's come to steal the 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 parts of our lives right we, we, we watch out for that person, like we know what they look like, we know what their intentions are, and so we, stay, we steer clear of them, we watch out for them. But do we often think of a thief as anything that keeps us from a full life in Jesus? Could it be that Jesus is actually saying that our own plans and our own desires, and even our own happiness, actually steals, kills and destroys. Now, for some of us, maybe, maybe again, this is your first time hearing this, you're like, this is nuts, this is crazy, you're crazy. You walk out of the room tonight, you're like, this guy's an idiot. Maybe that's the case. Maybe some of you guys are, are trying to determine, is it worth it? Is it really worth it? See, I think there there are a lot of us in the room who have determined that it's absolutely worth it. And we've started to walk in full surrender. God, I don't know what this is going to look like. God, I'm scared to death. God, I have no idea what, you know, just, I'm just stepping out and I'm trusting you. And I'm giving you my life and my plans and my desires and everything. And it's a difficult thing to do and it's a scary thing to do. But we're living that out. We're willing to step out in faith and full surrender. But I bet that there are some of us, maybe even a lot of us in the room, who are still determined. We're hearing that. We're like, this is crazy. I mean, is this really worth it? Is giving Jesus what he wants worth giving up what I want? And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus makes a promise to us. He, he guarantees something that really only God could guarantee us. Here's what he says, he says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. Jesus puts us to the test and he says, look, I know you've all got to determine whether or not it's worth it. You've all got to decide whether or not you're you're willing to take this step of full surrender. But I'm just making this guarantee to you that if you will seek my kingdom above all else, if, in other words, if you will give me everything, I will give you everything that you need. You don't have to worry about what this is going to look like. You don't have to worry about, yeah, but what about this? Like I've, look, I'm God. I've thought all of this stuff through. Before you even took a breath, I knew what your life was going to look like. And I've got everything planned out for you. And I've looked at all of the dangers and all the confusion and all the questions that you have and all those those moments where you're like, I don't know if I can give this away. And what about this? I've thought through it all. And I'm promising you, if you will give me everything, I will give you everything that you need. I've got a rich and satisfying, a full life prepared for you. But you've got to be willing to step out in full surrender. Here's the main point for us tonight. The God who knows everything about us and gave everything to save us wants everything from us. Here's the deal. The the Christian life really is a a life of everything. It's not a, a life of going through the motions or doing it in part or faking it, or any of that kind of stuff. Like, that's not what the Christian life is about. If we want to experience fullness that Jesus offers. Everything about the Christian life is everything. Jesus created us, knows us, knows everything about us. Gave up everything for us. And what he wants from us is everything in return not so that we receive his love, not so that you know, he's pleased with us or somehow he loves us if we do this. No, God's, God's, God already loves us. God already demonstrated that love on the cross. So it's not about trying to earn something from God. It's a response to what God has done. God, you know everything about me. You've given everything away for me. God, I want to give everything to you in return. Now, maybe there's crossroads moments for some of us in the room. We're like, I don't know about this. This is still crazy. John chapter 6. All right. Jesus is telling the the people basically the same thing. Hey, this is is what's going to be required of you if you're going to follow me. Here's what it says in verse 66. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. All right. Not necessarily the crowd that was kind of on, on the fringes. It says his disciples, people that had given up things to follow him, people that were following him. As they started to understand what it was that Jesus wanted, they turned away and they deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and he asked, are you also going to leave? And Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. Now, Peter said a lot of stupid things in the Bible, all right? This is one of the most profound things, a really smart thing that he said. I mean, Peter's watching other people that he probably knew pretty well, like, man, I can't believe he's walking away, and she's leaving too, like, they're not following Jesus anymore, like, what's going on? And he's hearing the same call that Jesus is giving to those other people. And he's looking at what he's given up and he's left his occupation and he's followed after this guy who showed up and said, hey, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. And Peter, maybe he was stupid at the beginning, but he's, he's walking that out like, all right, let's figure out what this guy's up to. And he hears this same call and he sees that there's something about Jesus. He sees the miracles, he sees the things, but he also sees what Jesus is asking. And he says, God, where else would I go? Like, yeah, you're asking everything of me, but what am I going to do with my life if I don't do this? Like, I, I know what my plans were. I was a fisherman. I stunk. I was making probably very little money to feed my family. Like, yeah, I could go back to that, but would, that would be insane. Or even if he had a great job or this great life that he could go back to. Like, Peter's looking at this and he's going, yeah, but you're God. Like, I, I know the plans that you have for me. I know that it far exceeds anything that I could come up with myself. So, yeah, I'm understanding that what you're asking of me is full surrender. And that's a, that's a really tough thing to give up. But what else am I going to do? I'm going to follow after you. And I love the, the quote that many of you guys are, are familiar with. Jim Elliott, who was a missionary, went and, took the gospel to a people group that had never heard it before, actually was, was killed because of it, but it opened the door for an entire people group to hear and to receive the gospel. And here's what he says. He says, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I and mean, what an unbelievable statement. A guy who looked and he said, look, at the end of, at the end of it all, I'm going to lose my life anyway. I can't hang on to it, in the end, I've got to give it up anyway. So people may call me crazy, they may call me a fool, they may call me stupid for doing this, but man, if I'm going to give up something that I can't even hang on to, to gain something from Jesus that I could never lose, man, that's no fool. That's the way to truly live. I don't know if I would say qualify this as a, as a fear or concern. or I don't, I don't know what I would, would uh, qualify this as. But I think one of the things that scares me the most or concerns me the most or whatever is that we would help raise up a generation of students who would be ineffective because they determine that they're not willing to fully surrender their life to Jesus. The thought that we would help raise up a generation of students who would play it safe and go through the motions and give the parts of their lives away that were easy to give up and yet still really hang on to their own plans and their own dreams and their own desires. And as a result, to be an ineffective generation for Jesus. That concerns me. And God is sovereign and God is bigger than my concerns or whatever. But if you look at over the last 2,000 years, the church has been built by God through people who determined that they were willing to fully surrender everything to Jesus. You go back through the history of the church and there's not a whole lot of people who were playing it safe and going through the motions and doing what they wanted, but then kind of loving Jesus a little bit on the side. Or yeah, they they had him on the list of things that were valuable to them. No, the church has been built over the years By people who lived in radical surrender to Jesus. And Jesus used those people to start a movement that changed the world. And what Jesus wants for my generation, for your generation. To determine that yeah, Jesus is worth it all. And I'm going to fully surrender my heart and my life to him. And it's those people that God's going to use now and in the future to continue to carry that message and to be the church that God wants us to be. What we've got to be willing to determine is whether or not we want to be a part of it. Whether or not it's truly worth it. Whether or not we want to give our lives away in full surrender or whether we just want to hang on to our own life and do what we want. Go back to that Disney example. All right, I know you guys love Disney. What if, what if we'd have strolled in at noon, we stayed for a few hours, we rode a few rides, kids screamed and yelled a little bit, they were pretty excited, it was cool. I mean, would it, would it have been a cool experience? Yeah, I mean, we'd have had some fun, right? But we never would have experienced all that Disney really was set up for us to experience. I mean, we would have had some fun, we'd have had some cool moments, it would have been good, the kids would have been like, hey, can we go again? But it wouldn't have been everything that it could have been. And in all honesty, we had one day, and we wanted it to be everything that it could possibly be. So what did we do? We got up in Jacksonville and at five in the morning, and we drove a couple hours down to Orlando and so that we could be there when the... You know, gates open and Mickey came rolling out on a on a train and waved hi to us and blew fireworks in the air and the doors open. All right, we wanted to be there. And we wanted to be there every single second that that park was open. So for 16 hours, we drug our kids through Disney World and sometimes they drug us. And we shut that place down at midnight. And I've never seen my kids more exhausted than they were. We almost lost one or two of them to pure exhaustion. It was insane. And, you know, we barely made it to the hotel a mile down the street before we all crashed. The kids didn't even make it there. They were asleep before we even got on the train. But if you ask my kids... Or you ask myself or Angie, was it worth it? It was worth every second. It's worth every single ounce of exhaustion that we gave. It was worth everything. We're talking about a theme park. How much more incredible and worth it? When we're talking about the God of the universe who created us and loved us and has plans for our lives. If we determined that he was worth it and we gave up everything for him. And you and I could easily give up part of us. We could go through the motions. We could never fully surrender him. And we might have over the course of our lives these cool moments where we see God show up or we watch God move and we're like, oh man, that's so cool. But it doesn't mean that we're experiencing the full life that Jesus really has for us. And it's nothing compared to what a full life of surrender to Jesus looks like. And is it difficult? Is it exhausting? Yeah. Does it require every part of who we are? Absolutely. Is it worth it? Always. I've never met anybody who gave up everything that Jesus asked of them and and determined afterwards that it was a waste of their time. It is absolutely worth it. But you and I have to determine whether or not we're willing to do that. As we close tonight, I want, I want all of you guys to know, as we finish this year up, how, how much you are loved. How much you are loved by me, how much you are loved by our adults who have, who have served you guys and tried to invest in you all year long. But more than that, I want you, I want you guys to know how much you are loved by God. That Jesus loved you, that he created you, that he has amazing plans for your life that nothing compares to. You had no hope. I had no hope. You had no option. I had no option. Jesus was our only hope and our only option, and he gave up everything for us. And as we, as we understand more about that and that truth, man, hopefully it causes us to go, what, God, where else would I go? How else could I possibly live my life? If there's a God out there who loves me that much, what plans could I come up with for my life that could possibly match that? And that you guys would determine, be a generation that would say, God, we'll, we'll surrender everything. We'll go where you say. We'll do what you want. We're not hanging on to our lives. We're not doing what we want. God, we are giving away everything. And then watch as God does the incredible through you. That's what Jesus is asking of us. Every part of who we are, every part that He died to save, our desires, our plans everything. He's worth it. But we've got to make the decision whether or not we're willing to give it up or to hang on to it. Let's pray. God, thank you that your love for us, your plans for us, your desire for us has nothing to do with the amount of sin in our life or what kind of giftings we have or any of that kind of stuff. You simply love us and we are undeserving of it. And you didn't just talk it, but God, you proved it when you gave up your life for us. God, I pray that your calling And what you're asking of us would be so clear. That we would not get dragged aside by focusing on a life of happiness or that you want us to be blessed or you just want us to be a good person or try hard or whatever. But you would help us to understand clearly what it is that you ask of us. God, as difficult as that is to understand, God, I pray that we would be a room full of people who would determine that it is worth it all. That you are worth it all. That the one who knows everything about us, who gave away everything to save us, that we would be willing to give you every part of who we are. God, would you raise up a generation that you continue to build your church upon Us who are willing to live in radical surrender to you. God, I pray for students in the room tonight who have never put their faith and trust in you, who have never received that forgiveness that you offer through the cross. God, I pray tonight that they would surrender their heart, that they would put their faith and trust in you and accept the forgiveness that you offer and stop trying to please you on their own. God, we need you. God, think about that quote that says, the world is yet to see what you can do through one person who fully surrenders to you. God, we not only determine that you're worth it all, but be willing to live it out and allow you to determine our path and you determine our plans and you determine our future. God, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name.